The Daily Sports Report. Michigan with the ball at the Michigan State 21-yard line. Three wide receivers, two far, one near. Henny under center. He'll drop back to pass. Looks for Edwards in the end zone. Jump ball. And it is caught by Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards in the back of the end zone. Gets the touchdown for the Wolverines. And the comeback is almost complete. Hello, boys and girls. This is Timothy Leary, and I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Well, the only hope here is WCBN-FM. If you're ever stuck in Ann Arbor, stick around with WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. Right on. Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and my partner, Jim Dwyer has school responsibilities again this evening. There's always a crush at the beginning of the high school term as well as the college term to take care of those administrative problems, so he'll be back with us next week. If you're not listening to me on the radio, by the way, you should uh, be on your way to go see uh, Stanley Kubrick's Paths of Glory. I notice that's playing tonight. It appears that we are fortunate uh, again this year. I They do this about every three or four years. Seems like we've got a Stanley Kubrick series going. And they tend to do these uh, movies in chronological order. And uh, Jim and I are both huge fans of uh, Stanley Kubrick and his, uh, oh, just incredible variety of movies in terms uh, he didn't stick to the the formula. And uh, Paths of Glory is one of the great anti-war films of all time, I think. Uh, Stars Kurt Douglas. Sort of uh, when he was in the prime of his career. And uh, at the end of the movie, there's a very poignant scene involving a rather attractive blonde that later became Kubrick's wife, is my understanding. She sings a song at the end of the movie that if it does not make you weep, I'd go check a heart specialist because it's uh, a very moving scene. And I think that the movie has much to say about the downside of war. And, of course, the movie is actually uh, is about trench warfare in World War I that uh, at, a, at a certain point became fruitless. But the consequences of World War I are still with us today. It's been pointed out that the Romanov... Hohenzollern and Habsburg dynasties all ceased to exist. And, uh, of course, the Ottoman Empire was broken up that uh, still has profound uh, a profound impact on uh, the history of uh, current events around the world. It's interesting, by the way, to keep your eye on Turkey. Uh, Turkey is emerging. They may, at this point, feel fortunate that they never joined the euro because, of course, the euro uh, currencies continues to be in in crisis. 
much of the focus continues to be on Greece. A uh, very interesting article in yesterday's Sunday Times about the uh, little literal collapse of the middle class in Greece and the problems that their economy has in terms of uh, dealing with the austerity measures that are part of the uh, debt restructuring situation. Uh, still a lot of speculation about whether they'll default or not. And this, of course, is a complex story, but continues to involve the globalization of capital, and it certainly has an impact on uh, our financial system, because as we learn from the financial crisis, uh, global banking is connected in many ways that are not clear to the public or to policymakers or to regulators. And the difficulty in understanding of this complex web of loan activity is uh, continues to be at the heart of the uh, financial problem, one of the continuing problems uh, with the global economy in which there's more and more discussion of a second downturn with some uh, empirical evidence that this is slowly taking place. But as we've pointed out repeatedly on gray matters over the years, um, growth in America is, uh, we're, we're over, overly focused on growth in my opinion. We need to be focused more on uh, better distribution of wealth. And uh, we probably need to emulate the German model a little more and the uh, so-called uh, Milton Friedman model a little less. More on him in a second. It was interesting to note, by the way, after the uh, profound downturn in the stock market, global downturn in the stock market on Thursday, uh, we're talking here about a mini global crash. Some of the American economy recovered today, but uh, very interesting that they had reports from Seoul, uh, South Korea, about their uh, savings and loans institutions being swamped by depositors. Bank runs, of course, are always very dangerous, and one of the reasons that the TARP uh, back in 2008 was orchestrated by uh, Secretary of Treasury Henry Paulson, Ben Bernanke, and uh, the Bush administration in collaboration with the Congress was they really had to prevent a uh, national bank run uh, all of the Great Depression. And uh, FDIC, of course, the Federally de de uh, Insured Deposit Institution, uh, protects uh, depositors here in the United States, small depositors, from losing their money, as they did uh, in the Great Depression. And you occasionally see these... Uh, uh, you know, depositor panics, uh, as we did during the financial crisis uh, back in uh, 2008. Uh, there was a large uh, bank called Washington Mutual that had enormous lines, a Western bank uh, that was connected, of course, to the mortgage-backed securities collapse of the economic system here in the United States. And there were massive lines uh, in many Western states, particularly in Southern California, and uh, Arizona, areas that are beleaguered uh, still to this day with uh, millions of uh, bad uh, bank loans and non-performing loans. And we still don't quite have a clear understanding 
even here in the United States, about these big banks and the too-big-to-fail problem. Washington Mutual was eventually forced into a merger um, by one of the big uh, banks that was bailed out in the TARP uh, rescue package. And Washington Mutual had, uh, this is an interesting factoid that I've always remembered from the financial crisis, $195 billion in insured deposits uh, while the bank run was uh, starting. FDIC had about $50 billion in the bank. A translation, FDIC could not take over that bank. So I heard an interesting warning from a British expert on banking on BBC late night in the late weekend of uh, September uh, after the House of Representatives did not pass the TARP package. Uh, the stock market, by the way, on that particular day went down a trillion dollars. The Dow went down something like 700 points, one of the largest declines in American history. And he actually warned people that happened to be listening to BBC at 4.30 uh, Sunday morning. I was finishing up a cab shift. I think that was the weekend of the only game that Rich Rodriguez ever, uh, only big game that he ever won, the Wisconsin game here at home. <clears throat> they came back from the 17-point uh, deficit at halftime. Beautiful weekend. But this British uh, banking expert said that if Congress does not pass TARP on Monday, he thought that the American banking system would uh, completely collapse. And as he put it, banks will all have to close, checks will no longer be good, ATMs will run out of cash, and uh, credit cards will not work. And if you can imagine the pandemonium that that would create in the United States, you can understand why, uh, despite the flaws uh, with the TARP rescue package, it had to happen at some level. Because it's quite interesting how economics and the psychology of economics, the psychology of uh, panic, fear, greed, etc., uh, figure into how the economy performs. And if I'm uh, critical, I, one of the big problems that we're having uh, in America at this point is that the Republican Party uh, doesn't seem to have a clue about what we need to do to get out of this uh, doo-doo that we're in. Um, John Boehner gave a speech last week, I always like to call him John Boner, uh, in which he pretty much uh, rehashed the entire concept of Reaganomics and Bushonomics again, saying that what we need to do is cut spending and cut taxes. And he's an advocate of a austerity program for the middle class, uh, but not the uh, the more well-to-do in our society. And there just simply is no empirical evidence over the last thirty years of uh, any connection between job tax cuts and job. Uh, job increases. Tax cuts do indeed add to the deficit, and they redistribute wealth. But uh, part of the big debate that's still occurring here in the United States, when Warren Buffett, uh, one, of our, one of the wealthiest individuals in the uh, world, points out that he pays less in taxes than the people he works with in the office, and that there need to be tax increases on the rich, to uh, make sure that they pay their fair share. 
that's at the heart of the debate we're having, and it's unclear why uh, capital uh, return on capital uh, should be rewarded uh, at uh, greater rates than uh, hard work. It's also unclear why speculation should be rewarded at greater rates, you know, less lower tax rates, shall we say, than uh, hard work. And uh, we hear endless nonsense about the uh, social security problem that America has. We do not have a social security problem. Most uh, problems are tweakable, fixable, and uh, eminently correctable. But we certainly have a Medicare problem. That's a, a separate issue altogether. And one of the interesting things about comparing some of the problems that Greece, a very small country in the Euro, uh, uh, European Union, that relies on the euro, um, one of the most interesting comparisons between how um, why Greece is having so many problems is that they have very poor tax collection. Uh, some uh, economic experts point out that the black economy in Greece uh, is probably about 25%, and they don't efficiently collect taxes, whereas the Social Security system actually very efficiently collects taxes. Uh, they come in the payroll. Uh, if when you get a paycheck, you see that uh, FICA uh, total, that is the money that you've paid into Social Security. And uh, that is an efficient system because it's collected on the spot, as are, of course, uh, the withholding taxes uh, that uh, workers have to file for a refund on April 15th. The more well-to-do are allowed to uh, file 1099s, S-corporation forms, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and are able, through the uh, complex loophole system that is at the heart of the real tax problem in America, to pay taxes after the fact. Uh, so FICA is efficient, and uh, Social Security's solvency can be corrected very easily with one s easy bill. You just simply raise the income. It's about $106,000, $107,000. Michael Jordan, to use a conspicuous example, or let's say Warren Buffett. Well, let's say Warren Buffett makes $3 billion. He only pays Social Security taxes on the first $106,000 he earns. So you can uh, um, shore up the solvency of Social Security quite easily. So we hear a lot of hysteria and hyperbole and outright hypocrisy. I always love alliteration down here on Gray Matters about the Social Security problem. Turkey, anyway, getting back uh, in my roundabout way to paths of glory, of course, uh, the Ottoman Empire was dismantled. Uh, by the uh, victors in World War One, specifically the British and French, at Versailles. Wilson was sort of opposed to this, but uh, was unable to convince um, Britain and France that they should uh, punish Germany as well as uh, the Ottomans for uh, allying themselves with uh, Germany in World War One. This is why the Ottoman Empire was dismantled. And Turkey, uh, at an interesting level, we saw just last week, is playing a more and significant role in the Middle East uh, diplomacy area, as well as the strategic uh, situation in that whole complicated uh, mess. 
that the United States finds itself strategically now because of the uh, Iraq and uh, Afghan wars um, that are actually at the heart of America's budget problems. And it's uh, I'm going to give out a brain damage award to uh, Eric Cantor, House Majority Leader. Um, you know, once again, the United States is bickering about trivial things. We are facing apparently an eminent shutdown of the government by the end of the week. FEMA is apparently out of money. Uh, they need a uh, extension because of all the uh, natural disasters that have occurred this year. Uh, hurricanes, flooding from hurricanes, tornadoes, etc. Uh, that's affected a rather large chunk of the country. Not too sure how much the state of Texas is requesting in uh, disaster relief because of their drought. Uh, don't think you'll hear much from Rick Perry about that. Uh, but Texas is going through a uh, the worst drought they've had in something like 30, 40 years. Got a little relief a couple weeks ago when... Uh, one of the hurricanes, Lee, Hurricane Lee, the one that sort of didn't move for eight days. And we actually got an amazing uh, uh, amount of rain here in Ann Arbor uh, that wasn't supposed to happen because this hurricane just simply didn't move. That gave Texas a little bit of uh, relief, but not much. Um, profound uh, impact on the uh, agricultural uh situation in Texas, and uh, Perry probably won't talk about uh, that much, but I'm sure he's uh, put in some for some federal money. But it's sort of sad that, once again, we're looking at uh, the irresponsibility of Congress. They're bogged down in this debate about FEMA funding, and um, instead of uh, basically taking, you know, Candor wants to say, okay, we can increase FEMA money, but the money's got to come out of somewhere else, somewhere uh, other component of the budget. Fine. Take it out of the uh, Pentagon budget. Instead, what do they do? They they have a big debate. They throw uh, this uh, Solyndra Corporation onto the burning pyre for a week, try and barbecue uh, Obama and his connection to this company that took federal subsidies, as they call it. Uh, $500 million. Undoubtedly, there's probably an accounting scandal involved. Uh, once again, uh, accounting scandals galore in the private uh, sector. Uh, never hear much about the, the irresponsibility of all of the private companies that have used accounting gimmicks and cooking the books over the last decade as it relates to the financial crisis. Uh, Enron, Broadcom can go on and on. I can list all kinds of corporations and, and countrywide. There's just all kinds of accounting scandals. And uh, perhaps Solyndra's uh, involved with that. I don't know all the details, but uh, interesting that this would get coverage for three or four days, but no coverage of uh, contractor fraud and abuse uh, in Afghanistan, where there are allegedly 90,000 contractors working at various tasks, the Republicans in Congress seem to have no trouble rebuilding Afghanistan with American taxpayer money. But when they uh, talk about stimulus packages here at home, 
Uh, they uh, suggest that this is wasted money. So what do they do? They take the money out of alternative energy, calling it a subsidy. Well, of course it's a subsidy, uh, but America should be subsidizing alternative energy. Germany and China are, and we're competing with them. They're competing with us. And uh, we pointed out that China's uh, stimulus package was twice uh, what America's was. Didn't seem to damage their economy. Uh, alternative energy, of course, needs to be subsidized because we need to do basic research and product development into the future of these kinds of uh, commodities that can actually reduce our dependence on fossil fuels. But instead of taking the money out of the Pentagon, Congress wants to take it out of alternative energy subsidies to pay for FEMA. Now, the disaster relief may be worthy. Uh, government spending, it may not be. Uh, how much of this, uh, how, how, how many of these disasters are connected to, uh, you know, the inability to obtain insurance or uh, buy insurance or, you know, the high insurance rates, et cetera, et cetera, are connected to these disaster uh Problems and as natural uh, disasters uh, probably increase in number due to climate change, uh, we'll probably see uh, the federal budget requiring more and more money each year uh, for the FEMA um, department of our government. And let's remember, of course, that FEMA, for instance, with Hurricane Irene that affected an enormous uh, chunk of uh, the Atlantic coast, uh, pretty much from the Carolinas up to Vermont, as it turned out, um, once again we saw an example of the superior performance of the Obama administration. FEMA was poised and ready, pre-positioned uh, rescue and resources for the disaster that they knew was coming. When Katrina was hitting America in 2005, George Bush, uh, not surprisingly, was, was on vacation. And uh, instead of dealing with the Katrina problem, he went out to San Diego and gave a patriotic speech on one of the uh, naval uh, boats out there uh, comparing our activity in Iraq to uh, World War II, and of course then he did the flyover of New Orleans, had no clue about what was going on, and uh, unfortunately went down to New Orleans several days late to pat Mr. Brown on the back. Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job, words that he would later live down. Wanted to also give out a brain damage award to the moron that is the president of Iran. Uh, Aminabinijad always seems to pretty much make uh, himself one of the biggest laughingstocks in the world when he uh, comes to the United States to give a speech at the UN. Uh, this year, of course, he, he did his usual um, sort of denunciation of Israel, um, which I think was unfortunate given the political controversy that was happening last week regarding the issue of Palestinian statehood and how that would be handled uh, at the UN and the American uh, diplomatic kerfuffle that they were in. 
uh, given the fact that Netanyahu was around. But Aminabinijad, as usual, did his usual denunciation of Israel, refused to recognize Israel, then went on to ridiculous 9-11 conspiracy nonsense. And, of course, people walked out of the meeting. And what's unfortunate about this, uh, other than I reckon that Aminabinijad is uh, saying this for domestic consumption in some constituency back in Iran, where he thinks that he must make these pro forma uh, silly uh, uh, comments, um, is that, you know, he had he had uh, other interesting things to say that are obscured by uh, that sort of nonsense. So, uh, yeah, we have to give him a brain damage award. As usual, uh, he shows up every year for his UN appearance, and uh, he always... Uh, Manages to make a fool of himself. Very interesting article, by the way, in the Sunday New York Times about a controversy involving an atlas that's come out uh, depicting Greenland. Uh, the uh, article by Felicity Berenger uh, is entitled, Publisher of an Atlas is Scrambling to Refreeze Greenland. And what's interesting about this uh, little photo they have, they've shown Greenland um, losing ice. And Greenland is losing some ice, but apparently not as much as this atlas depicts. And I wanted to mention this controversy because I found it interesting that the publisher of the atlas, HarperCollins, uh, their subsidiary, Collins Geo, um, publisher of the Times Atlas's uh, 13th edition, has apologized in a news release saying that it is urgently reviewing the map of Greenland. And I'm quoting from the article here, but for critics, its backtracking was a little slow, comparable perhaps to the actual rate at which Greenland's ice is melting. The news release in the Atlas went public just after midnight on September 15th. Throughout the weekend, scientists were energetically challenging the error and trying to get their own information out. By Monday of last week, Science Insider, an online supplement to Science magazine, was reporting on the, quote, outraged scientists' ep uh, efforts. HarperCollins fired back at the scientists in a statement that was quoted that day in the newspaper The Guardian, quote, we are the best there is, an unidentified HarperCollins spokeswoman said. We are confident of the data we have used and of the cartography, which is basically the study of maps, I think. We use data supplied, quote, uh, we use data supplied by the U.S. Snow and Ice Data Center in Boulder, Colorado, and our data shows that uh, it has reduced by 15%. That's categorical. That was the uh, spokesperson uh, statement by Harper Collins. Wanted to point out, by the way, that I, my recollection serves me correct. Harper Collins is actually a subsidiary of the News Corporation. So don't be surprised if there's some mischief in this, uh, this whole error, so to speak. Uh, on the dispute itself, 
um, regarding the 15% of its permanent ice cover. This is uh, allegedly what's happened between 1999 and 2011, which translates into 125,000 cubic miles, according to a rough calculation by Etienne Bethier, a glaciologist with the University of Toulouse. Enough ice melted to raise sea levels three to five feet. That doesn't sound right, but obviously where the ice is melting is uh, is relevant. The ice could be moving. In other words, it maybe hasn't fallen into the sea, but perhaps the tops of glaciers in Greenland are melting at that rate, but it's not turned into water yet. But it might be, and we certainly know that ice is melting in Greenland. And, of course, the relevance of ice melting in Greenland is it's like Antarctica. Uh, these are uh, glaciers that are on land, and when the ice melts, it uh, does rise the sea level. How much it rises the sea level is still a matter of scientific dispute. The rate of the ice melting is still a matter of scientific dispute. But what is not in dispute is that it's melting. It's not increasing. Uh, there's no evidence of that. Uh, none. Zero. Zilch. And uh, on blogs, and I just wanted to let you know that you are listening to Gray Matters down here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, continuing for the Felicity Berenger uh, article. She reports, on blogs, on radio programs and newspaper columns, they stated emphatically that Greenland has not lost 15% of its ice cover in recent years. Of course, 12 years is, I mean, that, that would be an astonishing rate of ice uh, decrease. So I, I, I doubt that it's 15%. The retreat, they say, is more like one-tenth of 1%. And they were quick to add that nobody at the Atlas had consulted them. So this, of course, is a, is a, is a science dispute, but it's turned, of course, into critics of climate change, into evidence of fraud and the word fiasco has been used, and what's at the heart of this is is uh, anybody's no uh, anybody uh, anybody's guess. But it's interesting uh, that the publisher of the Atlas they do a list as the Times of London, and I do seem to recall that uh, that is a Rupert Murdoch publication. Uh, one of the interesting consequences of the Murdoch scandals that came out this summer was that there indeed was uh, fabrication by Murdoch's publications regarding the East Anglica data and the so-called hacked emails involving that so-called dispute of, quote, climate change, unquote, and global warming. So we'll update you more on this uh, dispute regarding the picture of Greenland. Uh, but Greenland is becoming greener, not icier. So uh, keep that in mind. And don't be fooled by uh, climate change deniers who uh, are very confused about the science because there is no science that supports their position. The rates, the models, the computer models, yes, those are in dispute. Um, there's no dispute, by the way, that uh, Michigan, by the way, has had uh, significantly more rain this year than uh, it, it has in normal years. This, of course, could be connected to La Nina, but it could also be collected to the fact that the atmosphere is uh, taking in more moisture 
rain is becoming frequent, more frequent, and of course we've had seen catastrophic uh, flooding in Pakistan. 